The truth of Jesus matters. The truth of Jesus matters. I'm scared maybe I'm not saying that right. I'm scared maybe we're missing that. Let me try that again this morning. The truth of Jesus matters. You ever notice, maybe it's crazy how God works, but you ever notice that when God wants to tell you something or wants to make sure that you know something, uh, that in the weirdest of ways, everything starts to tie together. Maybe you've noticed that. You'll hear a sermon, and maybe it's a sermon that you hear on a Sunday morning, and then maybe a day or two later, you'll be on Facebook, and you'll see some verses, the, the same verses, and then maybe the same afternoon, you'll, you'll turn on the radio, and somebody will be talking, and they'll be talking about the exact same verses and talking about the exact same thing, and then in the middle of the week, you'll come to your discipleship group and lessons that you started months and months ago, you'll, you'll open the lesson and it'll be the exact same thing. And it seems that, that all of the things begin to tie together. All of the things begin to stack up. And it's, it's like God is trying to say, hey, listen, I'm trying to tell you something. You ever notice that? All the things start to, to lace together. Well, I'm pretty sure that is happening right now with this statement, the truth of Jesus matters. Last night in our ladies' Bible journaling, in their Bible study, Brenna taught that God calls us to a deeper understanding of Jesus. And that's what God does. He wants us to, to leave the milk and go to solid food and have a deeper understanding of Jesus. And she painted a, a tremendous picture last night of, of Jesus as our hope, Jesus as the high priest and, and the anchor that holds. And then tonight, we're gonna come in our, our Bible study tonight, it's gonna be in Colossians, and we're gonna go into this crazy, awesome, detailed study of Jesus. And then today, we come to our verses here in Acts, and we're gonna see this morning that the business of the church is to confirm the truth of Jesus. And I'll just tell you, I believe that it's like God is saying, listen up, Calvary Baptist Church, pay attention, the truth of Jesus matters. Today our message is entitled, The Truth and Nothing But the Truth. The Truth and Nothing But the Truth. We're in Acts chapter three. Today we're gonna look at verses 11 through 18. Acts chapter three, today verses 11 through 18. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. <clears throat> Acts chapter 3, beginning in the 11th verse, God's Word says this. While he was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them at the so-called portico of Solomon, full of amazement. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, Men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Or why do you gaze at us? As if by our own power or piety we made him walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, the one whom you delivered and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you disowned the holy and righteous one, and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, to, be, to put to death the prince of life, the one whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are, we are witnesses. 
Verse 16. And on the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know. And the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I know that you acted in ignorance, just as your rulers did also. But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer has thus been fulfilled. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, today we come and we, we come and we worship you. And I pray that that's our heart's response now as we've gathered as your people, that, that as we have come, that maybe we've, we've been distracted, maybe we've been pulled into the, the cares and the concerns of this world, but now as we've assembled that our eyes are fixed upon a Savior, our hearts are thankful for forgiveness, that, that our love for you has grown and as, we've, as we've sung these songs, as we've looked at verses, that our, that our love for you has grown and that, and that we praise you. Lord, that's my desire. Lord, I pray now that as, as we begin to look at your word, as we, as we continue in these verses, Lord, I pray that it is not a natural thing, that it is not a, a normal thing, but Lord, I pray that, that you would speak and you would lead and you would direct. It would be your voice that goes in our ears and our minds and our hearts today. Lord, I pray that we'd be changed, truly changed, that we'd be instructed. Lord, we need your instruction. Maybe we'd be corrected. I pray we wouldn't be able to leave here with the, with the same perspective that we came in with. Lord, I pray for somebody in this room that may not know Christ. Lord, I pray that in the hearing of the gospel and the drawing of your spirit, maybe in the circumstances of life that have brought them to this place, that, that they now look to you for their, for their salvation. They trust you. You're the hope of their salvation. Lord, I pray that you'd move in that way. I pray that we'd be encouraged and I pray that you'd be blessed. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> now, as we begin our verses today, remember the context. Peter and John are going to the temple to pray. It is 3 o'clock in the afternoon. That is the, the busiest time. It's the highest traffic time. The largest crowds are drawing there at the temple and on the way into the temple, the Bible says a man that was lame from birth, from his mother's womb, he was crippled. This is all that he has ever known. He had no hope. He didn't even know what it was to walk. He's crippled since birth is there. And the Bible says he's begging alms. He's asking for money. And so as, as they go by on this particular day, he asked them for money as well. At that point, Peter and John turn and they fix their gaze on this man where everybody else had just walked by him, why everybody else would pay him no heed, no mind. They turn and the Bible says they stare at him. They fix their gaze upon him. At that point, Peter says to him, I do not have any silver. I do not have any gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. Peter grabs the guy's arm. The Bible says that the man leaps up. He literally jumps up. And the Bible says that he was walking and he was leaping 
and he was praising the Lord. Now, I said that last week, but I think we need to be sure and understand that. That is an actual event. That is a factual, historical event. This was a real man who had never walked. And on this day, he leaps up and he is walking and he's leaping and he's praising the Lord. This is an actual event. Can you imagine that? Today, we will continue the account from that place. All right, we're gonna go to verse 11. While he was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them at the so-called portico of Solomon, full of amazement. Verse 11 says that the guy was clinging to Peter and John. Now, I, I can't imagine. He is, he is beside himself. He, is, he has never walked, and now he is walking about. And again, he is leaping, and he's praising the Lord, and he is hanging on them. They were the agents of the deliverance. They, it's all that they, he knew was them. And so he is, he is hanging on them. He is staying with them. And the, the Bible says at this point, all of the people ran to them. They're on the porch of Solomon. The Bible says that when they got there, they were full of amazement. They run and they, they see them and they are full of, of amazement. Now I want you to, to picture that for just a second. They had passed that guy. Maybe they recognized him. They'd known that he'd been there for years. And they see him and they knew he couldn't walk. Maybe they knew his story. Maybe they knew his parents. But they look over and they see that he's, that he's walking, that he's upright. Some folks had to carry him there, but now he's, he's upright. And not only that, he's, he's leaping around. And they, they start to wonder what in the world has happened here. I can't imagine, am I, am I seeing this correctly? And the word begins to spread and somebody else sees and somebody else hears, and, and as the word filters out, you're not gonna believe what you're gonna see when you get to the temple today. This guy's there, and as, as the word spreads, they begin to trot that way. Well, I'll see for myself. And maybe they begin to jog that way, and, and they, they tell somebody else, and they begin to run that way. And the, the crowd starts to pack in, and, and somebody else hears about it, and they start to, to run that way. And if it's a lot like now, I imagine some of them don't even know why they're running. Everybody's just going that way. And so full of amazement, they run to see what has happened here at the porch of Solomon. And the crowd builds. And there is an actual man that could not walk. And now he walks and the Bible says he leaps and he praises the Lord. And the crowd draws in, verse 12. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, Men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Or why do you gaze at us as if by our own power or piety we made him walk? The crowd presses in and people are looking at Peter and John. Peter says to them, why are you amazed? Why, why do you look at us like we did this in our own power, like we did this because we're somehow good enough? We didn't do this. Verse 13 then starts, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers. I want you to see this right here. He reminds them of their God. You see, they had come to pray to God. 
They, they had come to some of them to sacrifice to their God, but maybe they had forgotten about their God. And so they're coming and maybe it's a sense of routine or maybe it's what they do and they've got to come and maybe it's out of a sense of, of piety, but they've, they've come to pray, but evidently they had forgotten exactly who they were praying to. So Peter reminds them, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that God, and they would start to think of all the miraculous things, the God of, the God of Moses and the God of, of Joshua, the God that, that brought us to the land that we're living in, the God that has delivered, the God that is faithful, the God, oh, remember that God, he is trustworthy and he reminds them, our God is powerful, our God is miraculous and so it makes sense. Why are you amazed? Why are you amazed? Do you not remember our God? Friends, let me jump in on this. Our problem, a bunch of our problem today, I believe, is we've forgotten who our God is. Maybe we've been in a whole lot of church services. Maybe we've become numb to what we hear on the Christian radio. And I, I believe a whole lot of our problem is we've, we've forgotten who our God is. And I don't, I don't care what we say. Listen, we've been trained to say the right things. I don't care the songs we sing. They've become empty in our ears. I'm afraid today we have forgotten who our God is. And we're not blown away today. We're not amazed by our God. We're numb to the reality of our great God. And so you listen to me this morning. You be very, you be very clear-headed and you be reminded this morning. I want you to understand who our God is. Our God is the creator. He's the creator of every single thing. Our God is holy. He is set apart. He's not like us. Our God is eternal. The only thing that's eternal, he is eternal. He is infinite. He is just, perfectly just. He is all powerful, can do all things. He is present everywhere. There's no place you can go up or down or left or right that you can escape his presence. He reigns and he reigns sovereignly and his love is immeasurable. You can't measure. He is good. He is faithful. He is incomparable. There is no God like him and he's worthy of all of our praises and that is our God. Why are you amazed? Peter says, don't you remember Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the God of our fathers. Why are you amazed they'd forgotten their God? He reminds them of their God. Verse 13. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, the one whom you delivered and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. Verse 13 goes on, and it says that God, had, God has glorified. It means exalted. He has lifted up. And so the Father has exalted, has glorified his servant, Jesus. Now, that sounds kind of weird. Jesus, his servant. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. Jesus said he did not come to be served, but he came to serve. On earth, he served the Father's will. Not my will be done, but thine. He served 
the Father's will. Now, while that sounds weird to us today, in the Old Testament, the Messiah was often referred to as a servant. And so when they hear the word servant, he has glorified his servant, Jesus. They would have understood the, the tie-in to the Messiah. So Jesus, the one the Father glorified, Peter goes on. I want you to see this. He says, the one, the one, and this is, this is getting very specific here, the one whom you delivered and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he decided to release him. Now, I want you to see what is happening here. It's gonna happen through the remaining of our verses today. Peter is clearly identifying Jesus. He is very specifically, very clearly identifying Jesus. He is confirming the truth of Jesus. Now, see this. He says, Jesus the one exalted by God. Jesus, the one whom you delivered to Pilate. They knew that, Jesus. Jesus, the one that you disowned in the presence of Pilate. Maybe some of them had yelled, crucify him, crucify him. They knew that, Jesus. Peter is confirming the truth of Jesus. That one, that specific one. The one that you delivered up, that one. The one that you denied, that one. He is specifically confirming the truth of Jesus. He keeps on in verse 14. But you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. He keeps on. I, I wonder at this point what the crowd is doing. Only a few minutes ago, they're running. I'm sure they're laughing and they're, they're shouting to, to see the miracle of this man. Have you, have you seen the man? And they're, they're coming and there's a buzz and I imagine they're, they're laughing and they're smiling, but all of a sudden, I imagine things have gotten quiet as the conversation has turned to Jesus. He continues on. He says, the holy one. Holy means set apart by God. The righteous one literally translates without blame the sinless one, the one who lived and never sinned, not one sin. He's holy from God. He is righteous in the sight of God and of men, the one who never sinned, says the one you disowned. Disowned means denied, refused, said no to. And the most literal translation is said not to. The one that you said not to. You, he's telling him here, you disowned the Holy One. You denied the only righteous one. Remember in the Gospel of John, it says he came into his own and his own received him not. The one that they said not to. But you asked for a murderer to be granted to you. They knew as they were hearing this story, they knew and Peter makes it very clear. He is confirming the truth of Jesus, the one that was holy, that one, the one that was righteous, that one that had never sinned, the one that you rejected. They knew who they rejected, the one that you said not to. He is identifying the truth of Jesus. Verse 15. But to put to death the prince of life the one whom God raised from the dead, a fact 
to which we are witnesses. But put to death the prince of life, the one whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses. Now listen to that, verse 15. Do you start to see the gospel, the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for sinners? You put to death. Here's a new title. The prince of life. The word for prince here means source of or originator. And so when he says the prince of life, it is saying the originator, this individual is the originator of life. If you go to Hebrews, it says the author of salvation. It is talking about that salvation originates with this one. If you go a little bit further in Hebrews, it says the author and perfecter of our faith. It means that faith starts with this one. And so now it says Jesus is the originator of life. He's the prince of life. Jesus is the author of life. John chapter one, it says, in him was life and the life was the light of men. In John chapter 11, Jesus says of himself, I am the resurrection and the life. The author of life, he says to them, you put to death. Then the verse goes on, the one whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses. Again, see here, Peter is confirming who Jesus is. The one that you killed, they knew who they killed. The one that died, they knew the one that died. The one that lives again, the one that is resurrected from the grave, a fact that we testify to. The one that was killed, the one that liveth yet again. Verse 16. And on the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man who you see and know. And the faith which comes through him, Jesus, has given him, this man, this perfect health in the presence of you all. Peter says here, it wasn't us, but rather it is by faith in Jesus. It is in this specific Jesus. It is in his name. It is in his truth that this man is Healed. Again, Peter is confirming the truth of Jesus. Now notice in verse 16, not only is Peter confirming the truth of Jesus, the miracle also is confirming the truth of Jesus. It is in the true Jesus by which this man is strengthened. Verse 17. And now, brethren, I know that you acted in ignorance just as your rulers did also. Verse 17, while he has their attention, he's talking to them. He says at this point, you know, you didn't know. You, you didn't see it. Yes, you did it. You rejected him. Yes, you did it. You delivered him up. Yes, you did it. You killed him. Now God has raised him from the dead, but he says you didn't see it. Just like your rulers didn't see it, you didn't know it. You didn't see it. Verse 18, but the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets, listen to each of these words, that his Christ, Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Now I'm gonna read that again. Pay attention to all the words there 
in verse 18. But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ, the Messiah, would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Here in verse 18, Peter continues confirming the truth of Jesus. He says, the things that the the prophets foretold of, those things were answered in Jesus. Now, I want you to get this. Listen very carefully. The prophets, watch the wording here, foretold of the Christ. Go back to the prophets. They foretold of the Christ. They foretold of the Savior who is from God, the Savior promised of God. They foretold of the Messiah, the anointed, the marked deliverer of God. Their prophecies, listen, were concerning the Christ and now Peter makes this huge declaration and the prophecies concerning the Messiah were fulfilled in the person of Jesus. Now listen, that's big, hear that again. The prophecies concerning the Christ, the prophecies concerning the Messiah were fulfilled in the person of Jesus. Do you see how big the convergence is here? All of these prophecies from all of these prophets, all of these prophecies from all of these prophets were fulfilled, and verse 18 says, and he fulfilled them, and he fulfilled them. Well, who is he? Listen, the one whom God glorified, he fulfilled them. The one who is the servant, he fulfilled them. The one that you delivered to Pilate, the one that you said not to, the one that you disowned, the one that you denied, he fulfilled them. The one who is holy, the one who is righteous, who never sinned, who is blameless, he fulfilled them. The author of life, the originator of life, he fulfilled them. The one that you shouted, crucify him, crucify him. The one that was killed on the Roman cross, the one that lives yet again, the one whose name that made this man walk again, the one that the prophets told of, he is the one. He is the only one by which there is salvation and the one that it points to, his name is Jesus the Nazarene. It all comes down to the person of Jesus. Listen very carefully. And therefore, the truth of Jesus matters. Friends, I want to scream this. I may be screaming it, but I want to scream this. If you change, listen, if you change any one of those things, if you change any of them, the entire thing collapses. The entire thing falls apart. Y'all want you to hear me. If he's holy, but he's not righteous, it falls apart. If he's righteous, but he's not holy, it falls apart. If he died, but he's still dead, it falls apart. If he's alive, but he never died for sin, it falls apart. Listen, if you change one of those things, we do not have a savior. He is not our savior. If you change one of those things, we are lost in our sin. But I want you to hear the good news. He is all of those things and the truth of Jesus can stand and it matters today. 
Praise the Lord. Peter proclaimed it. The miracle proclaimed it. And I want you to hear this. And our business in the church is to proclaim it. My lands, why do we exist? To proclaim the truth of Jesus. Well, I thought it was for programs. I thought it was for things that we liked. Listen, we exist in the church of Jesus Christ to uphold and to guard and to secure and to proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ because the truth of Jesus matters. Change one piece and we're lost, condemned, guilty in our sin. Our world today says close enough is good enough. I hear that, I'm, I'm, I'll just tell you, I'm sick of that, I'm sick of hearing that in churches. Close enough's good enough. Our world today says, well, you can't offend somebody. We can't upset them, we can't offend them. I'm sick of that. The truth of Jesus matters, and if you take one piece out of there, friend, we're all lost in our sin. We are to proclaim, guard, preach the truth of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something, if you're here today, you do not know Jesus as your personal Savior. I can tell you who he is because we know the truth and the truth doesn't change. Let me tell you who he is. He's the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. He's the priest who can enter in and perform the sacrifice even though he is the sacrifice himself. That's Jesus. He's sinless, blameless, never sinned though he's able to carry my sorry sin and yours too. He's the propitiation, the sacrifice that died on the cross. There's power in his blood. He's the risen Savior back from the grave. Three days later, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here for he is risen. He's alive. That is who he is. Risen, reigning, defeater of death. The Bible says if you put your faith in him, you will be saved. I want to tell you, if you're here and you've never met Jesus, if you've never understood Jesus, the offer still stands. He hasn't changed. The truth still stands. It's still available to you. By the truth, you're saved. If you're here and you've never put your faith in Jesus, I want to tell you, it's your only hope. It's your only hope. He is our Savior. It's as simple as crying out and saying, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. Forgive me. Lord, I understand you died and you paid for it all and you're alive again. I believe it. I trust you. Save me. The Bible says if that's your heart, you profess with your mouth what your heart believes, you will be saved, not because you're good, not because you did anything, you couldn't do anything, but because of the settled work of Jesus Christ. Listen, Jesus matters, Jesus matters. Put your faith in Jesus. Let's pray. During Father, we come today and I'm, I'm so thankful I am beyond thankful for my Savior. I'm so thankful that, that the promise in, in Genesis 3 that would, the seed that would crush the serpent's head is completed in Jesus. The ark of Noah that when we get in, we're, we're delivered safely is completed in Jesus. Suffering servant that would be stricken on my behalf, that would be the carrier of my transgressions, would pay for him as answered in Jesus.
The lamb that, that John saw as he topped the hill is, is Jesus. The risen Savior that, that stands again is Jesus. Lord, I come and I praise you. I thank you. I worship you. The high priest interceding at this moment for us, Jesus. Lord, I praise you. Lord, I pray for there's one here that doesn't know you. I pray that today would be the day. Lord, I pray that you're moving in their hearts and that any distraction would be removed. I pray, Lord, that today would be the day. Lord, I pray for us here that have put our faith in Christ. Help us to not shrink back. Help us not to fade in. Help us to uphold the truth of Jesus, Lord. We know it matters. And then we come, and I, my response, and I pray it's our response, is just to raise my hands up and say, Lord Jesus, I love you. I thank you. I praise you. Lord, we ask that you move in our midst during this time of invitation. We commit this to you. We trust it to you. Pray that you've been worshiped. We pray that you've been known. I give it all to you, and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.